Hello and welcome to Tools and Paradigms. I'm Jim Salvucci. This week's installment, Stuff Your Ego in a Sack and Throw It in the River, a Holiday Encore Essay. Because of the holiday season, I'm reposting this revised version of an essay from December 31st, 2020. It encourages you to commit the act of egocide over and over again. At long last, the new year is upon us, and perhaps you're looking for a resolution. I've never been a big fan of setting resolutions for the new year, since they seem to go by the by somewhere between January 2nd and January 31st, with all the guilt setting in sometime around February 3rd. By Valentine's Day, all those resolutions seem to have been utterly abandoned and forgotten. But the guilt somehow lingers. At least that's my experience. Since I started meditating a few years ago, I've come to understand that it is better to set intentions rather than resolutions. Intentions are more forgiving. If you slip up and don't meet your intention, you need only remind yourself that it was something you wanted to do, not had to do, a pursuit more than a goal. And it then becomes much easier to absolve yourself and get back to that pursuit. A resolution is more final. The word even has solution built right into it. If you don't meet a resolution, you've failed. Cue the guilt. A resolution is a promise. An intention is an aspiration. Whether you prefer resolutions or intentions, now is a good time as any to reflect on the past and set some purposes for the future. I'm going to propose a purpose for myself that will take some fortitude. I'm going to stuff my ego in a sack and throw it in the river. The act I'm describing is one of neither homicide nor suicide. It is egocide, the murder of the narcissistic self, the ego. At this point, the sharp reader may object that professing to do such a thing is an act of narcissism itself. By drowning the ego, you are paradoxically focusing on it and thereby nurturing it. Like advertisements and politicians, the ego thrives on being seen and acknowledged and even negative attention nourishes it. Certainly, if you are indeed that sharpest of sharp readers, you would be right, which is why this whole exercise sucks and why it is so crucial. Every day we confront situations that challenge our sense of self and imperil our complacency. What if, and, and stay with me here, what if those challenges are not threats? What if they are opportunities for self-discovery and growth? I readily acknowledge that these challenges could very well result in the destruction of our sense of self-satisfaction and self-confidence. But if so, wouldn't that suggest that these self-assurances were unwarranted to begin with, were fundamentally flawed? A more beneficial outcome would be to treat such challenges as a chance to stress test our sense of identity and make adjustments to build resilience through self-assessment. The challenges I speak of are too myriad and varied to list or describe, but they are common. Most often they arrive in the form of questions or criticism from other people, or they occur as self-doubt. Always, though, how we receive them is entirely within our control. Yep, I wrote that and I can hardly believe it either. Frankly, I hate when people say things like, Oh, so-and-so is criticizing you? So what? Don't let it bother you. You're just giving them power. The reason such so-called advice is so annoying is because it shifts the burden to the victim and makes wrong reactivity seem easy, within reach. And we all know how hard it is not to become defensive in the face of challenges to the self, which is only natural and to a point appropriate. And let's face it, other people can do horrible things to us. 
When I review just my past year, I can quickly compile a litany of grievances born of injustices, so I get it. But I also know, when I am being honest, that those grievances are all inside me. In fact, a little candid reflection reveals to me that the very people who committed injustices against me in the past year likely all congratulate themselves for having done some great service to the world and taking me on, for they, like me, are the heroes in their own stories. And just knowing that fact makes the injustices sting all the worse. My ire rises and my ego, beaten and battered, swells like a welt on a bruise on an abrasion. Let it go? How can I? Nonetheless, I owe it to myself to step back. What does it matter that they congratulate themselves for a job well done when I can prove, incontrovertibly, I assure you, that they are incompetent and malevolent hypocrites? The kind of people, the worst people, consider the worst people. What does it do for me, exactly? Even as I write these words, I can feel the flesh of my face tingling, flush with anger and pain. All of it, though, is me. Just me. Just me. Myself. My ego. It takes every bit of strength of purpose I have to gather my poor, beaten, and wounded ego, stuff it in a sack, tie the opening, walk it down to the river, and toss it in. Disclaimer, no actual littering will take place during this little act of egocide. My ego will be back, maybe a bit soggy, but it will return even before I pivot from the river to head home. The point is, though, that I must train myself to understand that my ego is both vulnerable and invincible. It requires protection, but I should also be willing to abandon it, to drown it. It won't die, and neither will I. I won't even suffer. And doing so gives me a modicum of agency over my own life and guides me in my next choices. Oh, and this exercise must happen every day, maybe several times a day. It must happen to my personal relationships. It must happen to my professional relationships. Sometimes it must happen in my casual encounters. Digression concerning a casual encounter. Here I am pushing my cart up the aisle of a grocery store. The aisles each have clearly marked directional arrows in this time of COVID in order to keep people flowing with and away from and not toward each other. And here is some guy, oblivious or arrogant, coming the wrong way. Worse still, the aisle is busy enough that now my path is blocked because of him. I could get angry. I could even say something. If it weren't for my mask, I would give him such a frowning he would not soon forget. We could have a confrontation. After all, I am doing everything in my power to keep both myself and others safe during this pandemic. Yay me! And this guy couldn't be bothered. Boo-hee! I could shame him for being a self-centered ass, and he could shame me for being a sheeple. Or I could just seethe with anger for the next little while in the hopes that my wrath will telepathically assault him and disrupt his smug contentment. Instead, I take a deep breath and look straight ahead with a neutral expression. I am down at the river, watching my poor ego, trapped in a sack, writhing as it goes under, seemingly for the last time. It's a goner for sure. But lo, as soon as I have entered the next aisle, I am already engrossed in my search for clam juice. You don't want to ask an employee where the clam juice is, it's just too weird. How would that look? How embarrassing. Oh, see that? My stupid ego is back, and it is glowing with the pride in not reacting to that rude jerk. A paradox. So that is my intention for the new year. To learn to stuff my ridiculous ego in a sack, tie it tight, and flip the bloated thing into the river. 
with great regularity and glee. Wish me luck. One final note for those of an etymological turn. I'd assumed that Sheeple was a very recent neologism and was surprised that my spellcheck did not flag it. Turns out, according to Merriam-Webster, an authoritative source for American usage, the term dates all the way back to at least 1945. I also used the word yay in the same paragraph, which was, according to M.W., first used in 1963. That makes it a relative youngster compared to Sheeple. Huzzah! Share your thoughts on this topic or participate in discussion by leaving a comment or by contacting me directly by email. Jim at jimsalbucci.com You must register with Substack to leave a comment, which is painless and free. Please share this post on social media and don't forget to click subscribe to have tools and paradigms sent directly to your inbox. I look forward to hearing from you. How do you keep that old ego in check? How do you keep it from infecting humanity like some sort of rampant virus we just can't seem to beat? Or how do you keep the unchecked egos of others from overwhelming you and from turning you into them? Sometimes we need someone else to bounce off our ideas and behavior to get another perspective. Let me be that person. Click on the link in the online essay for your free consultation.